verses quickly. And uh, while you're standing, I want to remind you that um, this Wednesday we're going to finish up talking about the difference between the milk and the meat of the Word. It's going to be a really good uh, message. Then the Wednesday after, we're going to have straight talk about sex. That's the best amen I've had talking about that. And uh, <laughs> as I say every week, most of you are here because of it. And did you know the Bible is full of talk about sex? And I'm going to tell you, this is going to be an illuminating series. I promise you, it's going to, it's going to break some myths, it's going to shed some light, and it's going to help some of you come out of confusion. So don't miss it. That's going to be on, I think, the 14th? 14th. And next Sunday, I'm going to begin a brand new series here on Sunday mornings, Landmines in the Walk of Faith. Landmines in the Walk of Faith. And I'm going to deal with six of them. And believe me, you need to hear this. Landmines. We're going to talk about offenses. We're going to talk about uh, temptation. We're going to talk about six landmines planted by the devil to destroy your walk of faith. So don't miss it. That's this Sunday. And then the following Wednesday, straight talk about sex, straight from the Bible. All right. And we're going to two services Easter. We're going to 2 a.m. services Easter, and we're staying. We're going to stay in two. And I'm letting you know now, so you better start inviting people. Don't let me preach to a bunch of empty chairs. But we're there, we're ready, look around you, uh, we're full, we're going to go to two services, starting Easter, 9 and 11. Okay, I know what some of you are thinking, oh man, I like one service, we're going to have two different churches, well, just pinch hit some, come to the 9 and come to the 11 and get to know everybody. All right, here we go, the Lord of Breakthroughs. That's 1 Chronicles 14, 8 through 11. It says, And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, they all went up to seek David, and they were not going to say congratulations. He heard of it, and he went out before them. Oops, I think I took it too far. There we go. No, I'm fine. Everybody say, you're okay. Now, verse 9. Now the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim, which, is, which means giants. They were in the valley of the giants. And David asked God, shall I go up against the Philistines and will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said, go up and I will deliver them into your hand. So Israel came up to Baal Perazim. Everybody say that with me. Baal, Perazim. And David smote the Philistines there. That means he gave them a good whooping. Smote is fancy for whooping. Then David said, I love this, God has broken my enemies by my hand like the bursting forth of waters. Praise God. Therefore, they call the name of that place Baal Perazim, now read this with me, everybody. What does Baal Perazim mean? The Lord of breaking through. Now I want you to preach to me and say it again. The Lord of breaking through. Father, thank you for your blessing today. Bless it to our hearts. 
And I pray that, Lord, this year, even this month, even this week, is a time of breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, that you're greater than our enemies, stronger than our enemies, mightier than our enemies, and you're able to deliver them into our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Say thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. How many of you could stand a breakthrough today? A breakthrough somewhere in your life. Amen? Well, as we come upon this story, King David has just been mightily blessed by God. I know that for 10 years he fled from Saul in the wilderness. From the time that Samuel anointed him with oil and said, you're the next king of Israel, to the time now he has been made king over all of Israel is well over a decade. This is what made him hang in there in the wilderness when he had to sleep with one eye open, when he never knew when Saul was going to find him and run a spear through him. David had his mighty men there in the wilderness, and for ten years they slept under the stars and in caves. And all the while there was a dream and a vision and a hope and a faith in his heart. And it was that he was going to be, according to God's will, king over all of Israel. So here now, when we open up this passage, this verse, he's finally arrived. At first he was king over Judah. Now he's been made king over all of Israel. And I want you to notice something. As soon as he received the fulfillment of his inheritance, the Bible says Satan came to steal it away from him. Satan came to steal his blessing. I want you to notice that once his long walk of faith became a reality, Satan came to steal the blessing away. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, TJ, from somewhere. It's reverberating. Thank you. So Satan, now Satan used flesh and blood. How many of you know that you're not battling flesh and blood, but the devil uses flesh and blood? Amen? So the devil found his vessels in the Philistines, and they came against him to challenge the blessing that he had received. Now, I came with a word today. God changed me up. I was going to preach on something else, and and this came to me because I believe that this is going to be a year of breakthrough. This is going to be a year where, though your blessing is challenged, God is going to give you a breakthrough. I did not come to preach negative. I came to preach positive. I didn't come to tell you bad news. I came to tell you good news. I came to preach the devil down and preach Jesus up. I want you to understand that it's just to be expected that when God gives you a blessing, it's going to be challenged by the devil. Don't be amazed when the devil comes to challenge the blessing of God on your life. No sooner had they said, Hail King David, than here came the Philistines full of the devil, and they came to steal his blessing, to challenge his blessing, to deter him from his blessing, Because Satan did not want David blessed. And Satan does not want you blessed. Because when you get blessed, you become very dangerous to the devil. And I'll tell you why. You become a neon billboard that God lives, that God heals, that God delivers, that God is real, and that His Son really did come to earth to die for our sins. You are God's greatest advertisement. Your face. 
is God's greatest billboard. He doesn't want you blessed. That is, the devil does not want you walking in the blessing of God. So when God blesses you, he's going to challenge the blessing. That's the first thing we see here. And with David, it was a promotion. This was a promotion that he had been long due. And in God's perfect timing, he is promoted king over all of Israel. And I want to tell you, God promotes people. God promotes you and God promotes me when you humble yourself on the side of the Lord and you fly low under the radar and you are careful to give God the glory, which I'm going to talk about in just a moment. Then God will promote you for His purposes. And I want some of you to expect, as a matter of fact, I want all of you to expect that if you walk with God, our God will promote you. He will bless you. He wants to bless you in the year of 09 like you have never been blessed before. I'm believing God for a double portion. I'm believing God for double for my trouble. I'm believing God for a great blessing this year, a blessing so wonderful, so strong, that we will all sit back and laugh like Abraham laughed when they had Isaac, when he was 100 and Sarah was 90. Simon Peter warned us in the Bible. He said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. Don't let it shock you. Don't be amazed. Don't be surprised when you go through the fire. He said, as though something strange were happening to you. See, when you get saved, you are not placed in a trial-free bubble. When you get saved, you become a target for the enemy, and the enemy will attack you. But Peter goes on to say, rejoice that you are participating in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. Because it will be revealed on the other side of the trial when the promotion comes and the blessing comes and Satan's challenge has been defeated by the anointing that breaks the yoke. Be not amazed when the word of the Lord is tried in your life. When God's promises are challenged by the devil. In this very thing, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses in the Bible that shows us that when God gives a promise, then you always encounter a problem. Then you always enter into provision. It's the same way every time. Promise, problem, provision. Promise, problem, provision. God says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to bless you this way or that way. You say, praise God, what a promise. Next thing you know, sometimes it even looks like the opposite has taken place. And you go, what in the world is going on with the word of the Lord? Listen, the word of the Lord will be tried in your life. When God gives you a promise, it will be tested and tried and challenged. But then when you hang in there with God, keep believing God. Don't leave church. Don't leave fellowship. Don't leave prayer. Don't leave walking with Him. You will emerge on the other side like gold tried in the fire. And when you come out on the other side, God promotes. Let me give you some examples. Joseph went from the pinnacle of vision to the pit of despair. God gave him a dream. Matter of fact, a couple of dreams. And He said, I'm going to make you so promoted that your brothers are going to bow down to you. Well, he didn't have any sense. And he went and told his brothers, guess what I dreamed? I saw you bowing down to me, dude. I saw you bowing down to me, man. What a dream. They said, oh, really? Well, let's see who bows down to who. And they threw him down into a pit. 
And the next thing you know, he's going through the opposite of what God told him. And the word of the Lord was tried in his life. The psalmist talks about this. It says, in the days of Joseph, God called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent, he sent, God sent. The Bible gives God the credit for sending Joseph to Egypt. He sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters. They placed his neck in an iron collar. Well, thanks, God. Why don't you give somebody else a promise? Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. I'm going to say that again. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. They bruised Joseph's feet with fetters, placed him in an iron collar. The word of the Lord tried and tested him. The word of God in Joseph's life was tested and challenged. How many nights did he lie down to go to sleep in Egypt and wonder what had happened to the word of the Lord? Those dreams, those crazy dreams he had of his brothers bowing down. Now his brothers weren't even in the picture. And he's sold as a slave. And he's serving Potiphar and then Pharaoh. What happened to the family? What happened to the dream? There was a timing attached to every one of those dreams and a timing attached to the word of God in his life. And that word was tried. And listen, not only will the word word of the Lord in your life be tried, but God will try you because of the word. Because there will be a time when God gives you a word, a promise about your business, a promise about your life, a promise about your marriage, a promise about your money. And there will be a time where it doesn't look like it's happening. And that word will try your faith. Moses went from the cushion of royalty to the backside of a lonely desert. He realized early on that he was called to be Israel's deliverer. And he tried to do it too soon. And he killed a man. And the Bible says for 40 years the word of the Lord tested him. And the word of the Lord over his life was tried. Sitting in the backside of the desert, herding sheep. Hardly a deliverer, just herding sheep. Forty years, the word of the Lord tried him, tested his faith. And then one day he's walking along. He probably had given the whole thing to God and was just trusting God and not even thinking about being a deliverer. And there suddenly was a bush that was on fire, but it was not being consumed. And out of that burning, fiery bush, God spoke and called his name. And when he was stuttering and on in years and didn't have any confidence in his own flesh, that is when God laid his hand on him and said, now it's time, Lord, m- 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 me, I, I, can't, I can't even t- 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 talk. God said, that's exactly what I want. Somebody with no confidence in the flesh at all, because now my anointing is going to rest on you and on the rod that is in your hand. The word of the Lord tried Moses. And what about the disciples? The disciples of Jesus went from the glorious fire of Pentecost to the brutal whip of persecution. The word of the Lord was tried in their life, tested, and they were tried and tested over and over again. And that's what the word of the Lord will do with you and with me. God will say, I've got my hand on your life for this business, or I've got my hand on your family, or I've got my hand on this ministry in your life, or there's something I want to do in you. And I guarantee you, everyone in this room 
Deep in your heart, you've got a desire, a vision, a, a, a longing for something God wants you to have. And you know what it is. If I were to ask you right now, what is it you want God to do? Most of you wouldn't take any time at all. Here's what I want God to do. And God says, every promise of God is yea and amen through Jesus Christ. But the word of the Lord will be tested in your life. And there is a time where you've just got to lay hold of the promises of God. And though you see nothing, and maybe even the opposite, you need to continue to walk with God and trust Him. Sometimes nothing happening is the surest sign that something is happening. I'm preaching this way, church, because I believe the church is going to have to have a backbone of steel. The people who are going to be blessed in the year of 09 and in the coming years in this country are going to have to be people of faith, not milk toast, half warm, half soaked, mediocre believers who make it to church on Sunday and live like the devil the rest of the week. I'm talking about people who every day wake up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And if we will live that way and make Him Lord of lords and King of kings every day of our life, God is going to give us a backbone of steel. He's going to increase our faith. And we're going to be promoted supernaturally by God. How many of you would like that? How many? And I think I'm preaching to people who have a hunger for the Lord. I think I'm talking to people who are tired of, of American Christianity, which is almost no Christianity at all. We need to get back to Pentecost at any cost. And so it was with King David. He had been promised the promotion to king of Israel, and suddenly here comes the devil in the form of the Philistines, challenging his blessing. And some of you listening to me today and some of you listening by radio find yourself in the same predicament. Satan's challenging your blessing. You're in the valley of the giants, which is where David found himself fighting them. You're in the valley of the giants. Things were going so well, weren't they? God was moving. Your faith was growing. Doors were opening. You were excited, filled with zeal. It seemed like nothing could go wrong. Yet now you find in your life the word of the Lord being tested. You're having family problems, debt trouble, temptations from nowhere. You're struggling with doubts. You're wondering where God is. Well, can I tell you something? He's right where he's always been. He hadn't changed at all. God is there. He is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. He has not lifted his hand and he has not left you. The word of the Lord is being tested in your life. And why is all this happening? Well, I know why it happened to David. Because God wanted him to experience an aspect of his character that he wants you and I to experience. That he is not just our peace. He's not just our provider. He's not just the Lord who is there. But he is the Lord of breakthroughs. Mm. He's the Lord of breakthroughs. Now, I want you to think about that phrase today. I want you to remember it, turn it around in your mouth, chew on it like you just took a great big bite of a chocolate sundae. The Lord of breakthroughs, roll it around in your mouth. Say it with me, the Lord of breakthrough. 
They named that place Baal Perazim, the Lord of Breakthroughs. Get a grip on that phrase. Remember that you heard it on a Sunday morning at Turning Point Church because you're going to need to know that aspect of God. The NIV puts it this way, the Lord who bursts through. Oh, I like that. The Lord who bursts through. Another translation says, God has broken through against my enemies just like water breaks through a dam. Oh, I like that. Yet another translation puts it this way. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. But then the Message Bible is probably best. God exploded my enemies. God exploded my enemies. I like that. God exploded my enemies. What is it coming against your life? What is it that is trying to destroy you? Can I tell you that God's got that thing in His crosshairs? And that God can explode that enemy. God has exploded my enemies as water explodes from a burst pipe. I don't know about you, but I've seen several times in my life driving down the road a fire hydrant that somehow ruptured and was shooting out into the street. And I would see men, firemen, pushed away by the power of that water. It flooded the whole street. It was overwhelming, unstoppable, powerful. That's the picture here of God breaking forth on the enemies of David. Here's what the Bible is trying to tell us today. Picture this. David and his men were fighting the Philistines. He went down there in faith. God said, I want you to go up and I'm going to deliver them into your hand. So they went in faith. Now, I'm going to tell you, when they went, they weren't feeling anything special. They were just obeying the Word of God. I don't think there was any overwhelming emotion. God said, go up, and they went up. God said, go attack them, and they attacked. I don't think they were feeling anything supernatural at the time. But while they were fighting the Philistines, who were there to challenge David's blessing, there was a sudden bursting forth of the power of God that was the equivalent of an explosion that scattered the enemy and brought David a fabulous breakthrough. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I've been in meetings where you get together and you start worshiping the Lord because you know that you should. And the worship begins and we begin to worship God. But then there is a defining moment in that service when suddenly there is a breaking forth of the power of God. Man, folks, I tell you, that's what I want to see this year. There is a breaking forth, and suddenly the bound gets set free, the sick get healed, the lost get saved, the hopeless receive hope, faith is strengthened. He said, what did all this? God burst forth on the service. Boy, I like it when God breaks forth on the service. That's why we're not here to be religious We're here to worship a living God who still moves. I love that song, He Still Moves. Can I tell you this? He still breaks forth. He still bursts forth. He still, all of a sudden, will manifest Himself to destroy, blow up, scatter, chase away, defeat the enemies that are coming against you. And that's what I'm looking forward to this year. That's why when you come to church here, get ready to worship God because He inhabits the praise of His people. We're going to worship Him until He breaks forth, until He bursts forth like water coming out of a fire hydrant. 
and we begin to see lives changed and people delivered. That's the kind of God we serve. Baal Perazim, not just the Lord of breakthroughs, the word Baal is master. He's the master of the breakthrough. Right when you think you can't take another step, right when the devil seems to be standing over you, giving the count, ten, nine, eight, and every devil in hell is telling you it's over with, you're finished, it's all wrapped up, the curtain is closing, right about three, God breaks forth. Say with me, the Lord of breakthrough. I've seen it many, many, many times, and we're going to see it more. The Lord of breakthrough. The Lord of breakthrough. Now, how did David experience the Lord of breakthroughs? How did he position himself to experience this breakthrough from the hand of God? It was very simple, but I'm going to tell you something. Though it's simple, most of us forget what he always did. So let me tell you what David was in the habit of always doing. First thing he did when the enemy came against him, he inquired of God. He didn't say, oh, no, I just knew it. Man, I'm done now, wringing my hands, having a worry fit, can't sleep at night. It's over with now. And you agree with your enemy. David said, no. I'm under attack, but guess what? I know that God knows exactly what I should do. So he inquired of God. That means he asked God, what do I do? This was David's way, and it ought to be our way. David always sought the Lord about major decisions. David always turned to God when he was under attack. Because when you get attacked, God gets attacked. When you get attacked, God sees it and feels it. You are an extension of him. The devil can't attack you without attacking God. And the devil knows exactly what he's doing when he attacks you. But what he always forgets is that God sees it. He sought the Lord when he was under attack. He received his battlefield strategies from God when he was under attack. Are your finances under attack today? Are you looking for a job you can't find? A job? Is your marriage under attack? Are your kids under attack? Has the devil attacked your home? Is he trying to destroy the peace of your house? Attacking your money? Attacking your peace of mind? Are you experiencing confusion? God sees it. And can I tell you, God's got a battlefield strategy for you. It says, he sought the Lord when he was under attack. Listen to what David said in many places in the Psalms. If we read all the Psalms where he talked about seeking the Lord, you'd read most of the Psalms. But here's a good one. Psalms 34, verse 4. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. See, I could have lived in fear. I could have lived in the torment of fear. But I sought the Lord. And I asked him about this fear. And what did God do? He delivered me from some of my fears, a few of my fears. Uh Uh-uh. It was a total 100% deliverance from all his fears. In another place, one of my favorites, I memorized it long ago. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined unto me and he heard my cry. And when he heard my cry, as I waited patiently on the Lord, 
It says, he brought me up out of not just a pit, but it was a horrible pit. It was a black pit, a dark pit, a desperate pit, a hopeless pit. But God reached down when I waited patiently for him, crying unto him. I did not say, if you don't move today, I'm walking away from church. I'm leaving prayer. I'm going to give up on you. He said, I cried to the Lord and I just waited patiently. Listen, if you can sit at a bus stop and wait for a late bus, you can wait on God. Never ceases to amaze me. You call, you call the pizza place, and you say, I want, I want a large cheese pizza with sausage, olives, Canadian bacon. I'm going to make you hungry. I want just this kind of pizza. And they have already told you, if we don't get it there within 15 minutes, you get it free. When you hang up, you don't say, oh, no, what if they don't make it? You don't start pacing the floor. The pizza man, he's just not going to make it. I know he's not going to make it. I'm terrified he's not going to make it. No, you start getting the utensils ready. You get the drinks ready. You start making ready for the pizza delivery man who's going to show up. You know just in time because you know he doesn't want you to get that pizza free. And so when the doorbell rings, you don't open up the door and go, Oh my gosh, I didn't think you were going to make it. You know what he'd do? He'd back out real slow. Go back into his car and write you off as crazy, baby. But when God shows up, we act like it's some big deal. Can I tell you, if the pizza delivery man can make it on time, where does that leave God? (laughs) I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. Not only did he bring me up out of a horrible pit, and out of the miry clay. But he set my feet upon a rock of stability, and he put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. And why did God do all of that? Because many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. God blesses you because he knows when you're blessed, you're contagious. God encourages us exactly the same way. Jeremiah said, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you have never before experienced. Call unto God. Call unto God. Satan brings breakdowns. God brings breakthroughs. You're not having a breakdown. You're having a breakthrough. Amen. One word from God can make all the difference in the world. And that's why when you come under attack, you inquire of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? What are you saying about this? What decisions do I make? What course do I take? You tell me, and God will give you a battlefield strategy. Second thing that he did, he obeyed God. Isn't that simple? He obeyed God. You know, the more I go on with the Lord, the more I realize that so much of just walking with him comes down to simple obedience. It just comes down to obedience. Doing what he says. Isn't that simple? doing what he says. He said to David, go up. If you attack them, I'll be with you. If you sit here, there's not going to be any victory. But if you go up, I'm going to give them into your hand. David, you're going to have to put feet to your faith. And until you do, we're at an impasse and the Philistines are going to have victory over you. But if you will move and run towards the roar, If you will run towards the roar, 
you will find the devil is not all that. If you will run towards the roar. My dog, Ollie. I know I talk about Ollie a lot. But Ollie thinks he's a mighty hunter. He thinks he's a lion. He's a little rat terrier about this big. But he loves to chase squirrels. Now I saw something. I'm going to embarrass Ollie. I don't want Ollie to hear this tape. Because this was really embarrassing. He chases squirrels. And they're always terrified of him. But one day, I was walking with him. And he gave chase to a squirrel who had had about all of Ollie he could stand. And he turned around and faced him. And Ollie froze in his tracks. I said, Ollie, don't you dare back down to a squirrel. But it was too late. That squirrel turned around and faced him and started walking towards him. And my dog ran to me. My mighty rat terrier ran to me. You know what that squirrel found out? What you find out about the devil. He's not all that. He's not all that. If you will run towards the roar, you'll find that God will move on your behalf and defeat your enemy and explode them. Isn't that great? Once you know that God has spoken, confidently and courageously go. I've got a little motto in life. Without a no, don't go. But once you know, then you go. And you go in faith. And God will go with you. But only when you take that first step of faith towards the enemy and run towards the roar does the anointing of God break forth like water bursting through a dam and you see your enemy defeated. You've got to obey God. Victory hinged on simple obedience. And then finally, I love this, David gave God the glory. Now I want you to hear me carefully. The whole reason that place was called Baal Perazim is because David saw God break forth on the enemy, scatter the Philistines, give him a resounding victory, and he was established in his calling. He saw all this and he said, that wasn't me. My God did that. And so I'm going to name this place after him, the Master of the Breakthrough. And I'm going to give God the glory. It wasn't called, here David won the battle, or it wasn't called to the great invincible King David. David knew that God was the one that brought the victory, and so he gave God the glory for the great victory. Church, always remember to give God the glory. Always remember to give credit where credit is due. The Bible teaches that we as believers are to be those who give God the glory in everything we do. Everything. Listen, if you're about to do something and you can't give God the glory for it, don't do it. Paul says, so whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God says, here's one thing that I will not do. I will not give my glory to somebody else. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 29, Give unto the Lord the glory due His name. 1 Corinthians 6, 20 says, Glorify God, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. The glory we give God is nothing else but the lifting up His name in the world. Say, so how do I give God the glory? Lift up His name in the world. Get out there and give God the glory. Who cares what they think? 
My Lord, church, everything in the world's coming out of the closet. You might as well. Lift up his name in the world. What are they going to do? Make fun? So what? Give God the glory. Speak his name. Talk about the great things that has done for you. How many things has God done for you? Paul said, my determined purpose is that Christ shall be magnified in my body no matter what I do. Philippians 1.20. Now to give God the glory, here's what you do. It first means appreciation. You appreciate what God has done. To glorify God is to set God highest in your thoughts. Psalms 92 verse 8 says, You, Lord, are most high forevermore. I give you the glory in my thought life. It means you make Him first, foremost, highest, uppermost in your thought life. Give God the glory. David said, You are exalted far above all gods. One of the earmarks, did you know this, of godlessness? is the refusal to give God glory. When Paul writes about the ancient people who fell into abject sin, he says the beginning of their slide down, the beginning of their depravity, the door that opened them up to such a decline, he says they knew not God and they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful. You show me somebody that won't glorify God and somebody that won't thank God and I'll show you somebody who is in darkness and headed for trouble. We were wired, custom designed to give God the glory, to come into a place and worship Him. You say, well, I don't want to worship God. Well, you're going to worship something, sir. You're going to worship something, ma'am, because God wired you to be a worshiper. Look at any rock concert and look at those young people worshiping that rock group. They worship, they idolize them, they bow down to them, they serve them. That's because we have been born, wired, designed, made to worship. And when you turn that worship up to God, it is so liberating and it's the beginning of your healing. It's the beginning of your life turning around. Don't refuse to glorify God and don't refuse to be thankful. The second part of giving God glory is adoration or worship it says give to the lord the glory do his name worship the lord in the beauty of holiness somebody says to me well i want to be set free from drugs or from alcohol let me tell you how you begin learn to worship god you know how i got called to preach i learned to worship god man i walked into a bible study when i was like 18 years old hair down to here 130 pounds soaking wet confused, not knowing what to do with my life. And I walked in and here were a bunch of young people with their hands lifted up. I'd never seen that before. I thought they were high on something at first. Well, what is this? Some new drug that makes your hands go up? But no, they had learned to worship God. And tears were flowing down their face. They had learned to forget about themselves and worship the Lord. And I said, Lord, if I can have that, I'll give you anything. He said, say that one more time. I said, Lord, if I can have that, I'll give up anything. And it hit me like a fireball out of heaven. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit got all over me? I laughed, I cried, and my hands got up about half-masked for the first three months until I decided it was not anti-masculine to worship God. And when my hands got up, it was like they were antenna. 
And I began to pull in the signals and pull in the power. And God began to set me free. Listen, when your hands go up, your spirit gets set free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. You don't have to raise your hands. You get to raise your hands. Well, that's just not the way we were raised, Pastor Jeff. We sing three hymns and sit down. Well, I'll tell you what, instead of singing about him, try singing to him. Just try singing to him. Boy, once that worship bug got a hold of me, I was worse than anybody in there. I got a guitar and learned C, G, and F just so I could sing God is so good and kumbaya. And I believe I made God personally sick of kumbaya. But I said, God is so good, He is Lord. And I get my little efficiency apartment and I would worship God just between me and Him. And that is when the fire to preach began to settle on my heart. Pastor Jeff, people know me too well. If I got to worshiping like that, they'd look at me so strange. Go off alone. Go practice somewhere. And just start worshiping God. I'm too distinguished. No, you're too proud. Woo, I guess I came to preach today. Well, you don't understand. I'm a respectable businessman in the community. If word got out that my hands were lifted up, I'd be ruined. No, you'd be made. You'd be made. Because your blessing isn't coming from what you do. Your blessing comes from God. God will double your blessing, triple your blessing. <laughs> Believe me, the ones making fun of you wish they could. <laughs> well, all right, let me finish up. I heard somebody say, Mildred, you got me here this time. This is it. Well, Jed, let me tell you something. Go try worshiping God. Just get your hands up in the air. And you say, is that in the Bible? Lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. And Paul told men to do that. Real men, that is, liberated men, worship God. Here's the third one, affection. God is glorified when he is loved. And that's how you glorify God. The Bible says you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. That's all of you. You will love the Lord your God. Love God. You will love God. That's how you glorify God. Driving down the highway in your car, just start singing to him. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you, all my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King. In what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. I'm just going to worship you. Turn car into church. Turn your office into church. Turn your home into church. See, so that's how you glorify God. And because he gave God the glory, and because he sought the Lord in his battle, and because he obeyed the instructions of the Lord, the God of breakthrough, broke through. 
Isn't that powerful? Now I hear some of you thinking, can he really break through on me? After all I've done, all the mistakes I've made. Oh, he can break through particularly on you. You're dry kindling wood. The further down you went, the drier you got. When that fire hits you, buddy, you're going to (laughs) burn. I'm having fun up here today. I'm sorry, it's the new year. I'm just having fun up here today. I so believe in the God of breakthrough. How many of you can say he broke through for me? Now say with me, if he did it once, he can do it again. So I will obey him, I will inquire of him, and I'll be careful to give him the glory. And God will break through on you and break through for you over and over again. Let's stand together, can we? <clears throat> Baal Perazim, master of the breakthrough. Master of the breakthrough. Father, I just thank you today that no matter what we're experiencing in this house, you're the master of breakthrough. And we glorify you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. Now, you don't have to today, but I'm going to ask with our heads bowed. You don't have to do this, but if you've always had a little bit of trouble just lifting your hands and worshiping God, Let's just try it right now. Just give it a try. Just worship the Lord. We're going to sing, I love you, Lord. If you can't get them up all the way, just try half mass. Just begin lifting up holy hands. It's a sign. It's a picture of surrender. this phrase, the Lord of the breakthrough, on our lips. And let's enter it worshiping God. You know, when you get held up with a gun, first thing you do is your hands go up. What are you saying? I surrender. When God comes and says, I want your life, your hands go up. I surrender. So let's try I surrender all. And let's just sing it to him now. And let this be the stance we take as we enter the new year. I surrender. Surrender. Oh, give him everything today.